Hey, thanks for joining us, everyone, for All Things Evangelism Podcast. Uh, today, I have a great guest, and I have a really cool subject to discuss with that guest. I'm here with Pastor Bob Bolst of the Charlestown Seventh-day Adventist Church here in Newcastle. And uh, I think, uh, Bob, you've been the pastor of Charlestown for... Six years. Oh, get out of here. Six years. It goes by fast. Yeah, I've been in this conference for a decade. For a decade. For four years, you were the pastor of the Haven Church, mm -hmm. which is the campus church for Central Coast Adventist School. Correct. Which is a great little community of faith down there. God's grown that little church in amazing ways, and uh, you were a real part of that. Um, so, yeah, Bob is not only the pastor of the Charlestown Seventh-day Adventist Church, he is uh, specialized in, he has a specialized degree, a PhD in... The area of spiritual growth. Spiritual growth, yeah. And what we wanted to talk about today is uh, preparing ourselves for soul winning. And it's really important, uh, scripturally speaking, that uh, we know as Christ-following believers how to be truly connected with God on a regular basis so that our witness and evangelistic efforts can have power. Hmm. Um, Bob, I think of the text in John 15 where Jesus says, in verse 5, that he's the vine and we're the branches. If we're in him and he's in us, we'll bear much fruit, but without him, nothing. We can do nothing. Mm. Um, when you think of this whole idea of like preparing yourself for mission and for evangelism, where's the first place your mind goes? The first place my mind goes to, uh, I think to myself, if you want to give something, you've got to have it. You can't give what you haven't got. Mm. And therefore, if you're trying to lead people to a, a life with Christ, you need to not only have that practiced in your life, but you need to have some, some tools to be able to, to share with people. Those tools uh, maybe may how to read the Bible well, how to yep. pray. Uh, you know, when Jesus was here on earth, the scripture says in Luke, he often went to a quiet place mm -hmm. to pray. And, and if it's good enough for Jesus to have some solitude, it must be important for us too. So he, he you know, the, the curse of the modern world is busyness. We, we don't have time just to sit and reflect, mull over things mm -hmm. and, and, and get our heads straight and focused. And so for, for me, uh, solitude and silence are the two things which I, I treasure. Mm. In, a, in a world where busyness and phone calls and, 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 and podcasts and, and everything that we, we do a lot, of, a lot of listening and a lot of hearing, mm. but silence is, is a time when you are just by you and your thoughts. Mm. And, you know, the idea of reflecting, mulling over, we could use the word meditate, meditate, yes. meditation. It, it, meditation, there, there are two forms of meditation, basically. There's the Eastern world meditation and yep. there's the Christian world meditation. In the Eastern world, meditation is that you empty your mind right. and allow the universe to talk to you. Christian meditation, on the other hand, is in entirely the opposite. Uh -huh. Read. We, we have something in our mind, scripture, a, a text that we might, uh, a song, some lyrics of a song, uh -huh. and we f reflect on those 
turning them over in our head saying, well, what does that mean to me? Yes. What is it saying about God? Is, is it doing something for me? Is it taking something away from me? And so the area of meditation is one where we, we're able just by ourselves in silence, whether it's in the car or whether it's we're waiting at a dentist surgery or whether we're just, just on a walk. Wherever you are, you, you, take, you, you have this portable mechanism uh-huh. where, where we're able to, to, to be with God and have him part of our thinking. Am I buying a new car? How much should I spend? You know, what should I get? All those sorts of things, my offerings, how much should I give? You know, we, we often do things on the spur of the moment, but if, if we have a, a mechanism to be able to reflect, for me, that's very important. Do you think that, do you think that people, I know what I think on this, but do you think that people are afraid of silence? I think so. Because it means if you travel in a car with other people who you don't know well, silence comes very uncomfortable. But when my wife was here, we would, we would sit in the car sometimes on a Sabbath morning and not say a word. But we knew what each other was thinking because we've been together for so long. Um, yeah, silence is, is one of those things, especially in other people's company that we feel we need to engage. and uh, But, you know, sometimes people just stand be at the back and just listen. Mm. Um, yeah, silence is a, is a, is a threat. Scary thing. Mm. Uh, there was a preacher when I first came to Christ. His name was Bruce Wilkinson, and he worked oh, as a canvasser, an LE canvasser for many years. And he was a very godly, godly man. And uh, at this mission college I was at, he, he looked at me one day and said, Matt, silence is your friend. Don't ever forget, silence is your friend. Mm. The Holy Spirit works in silence. And, and I knew, you know, that was like a kind way of him to say that I talk too much. Yeah. <laughs> and like, but I think he, he's an older Christian. He, uh. he was just trying to say, because I think he valued me, and he just wanted to say, don't feel so afraid of silence mm. when you're preaching when you're giving Bible studies, and even just in your own personal life, give mm. God time yeah, yeah. to speak. Yeah. But if you're always filling moments of time with noise and activity, well then, what if God wants to speak to you? See, the value of silence is it removes the noise, of the clutter. The value of solitude is that you're by yourself. So when you put silence and solitude together, you are in a quiet place by yourself. And this is what Matt Luke says. Mm-hmm. Jesus often went to a quiet place. A quiet place. It, it's almost like the, the noise is like the wind. Mm. And removing the noise is removing the wind. And the wind is what stirs up the waves. Yeah. And if you have a windless period of time, the waves start to slowly settle down and you have a calm surface on the, on the lake. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've told people at Arise, I teach a class called... Um, getting ready to share, but I've changed it over the years and call it getting connected, which is kind of on this subject. And at the, we just talk about texts of scripture that talk about eating the flesh and drinking the blood of the son of man, which simply means you inculcate, you know, Jesus through, you know, his words, his actions, you know, um, he becomes a part of you, a living, breathing part of you. Mm. And 
um, just all that, those kind of concepts of, of connection and devotion. And, um, but then at the end of the class, we have like practical advice. And one of the things I say to the students is that, that I've learned, and this is from my own experience, that, that I kind of treat myself to an extent in my devotional life like a child like who's being grounded by their parents. So like my mom's like, go to your room when I was a kid. And then you go to the room and mm. it takes you about an hour to kind of settle into the fact that you're not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden you start to relax a bit. Mm. And so my nature is always frantic and, and in almost constant motion. And it's almost like I'm, I'm trying to escape the silence and God. Mm. And, mm. and so I'll sometimes sit for five minutes, 10 minutes, just in silence. Before I say anything to God in my prayers, just mm -hmm. sit there, just sit and just listen, relax, chill out. And if anyone thinks that that's like Eastern mysticism, then I would say, I don't, I don't, I don't see how. For me, it's just, no, I'm sitting, I'm relaxing, I'm stilling my mind. I'm letting my thoughts relax a bit because mm -hmm. I'm filled with 15 things. I got three kids, a busy life, ministry, job, extracurricular things going on, family issues, living two financial worlds in two different countries. Yeah, anyways, so this is verse, check this out. This is a good verse I just was thinking of in Isaiah 32, 17. This is the NASB's rendering of it. It says, and the work of righteousness will be peace and the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. So there's, a, mm. there's this, the statement that says there's quietness and that's the effect yeah. of righteousness is quietness. And then Isaiah 30, God's like upset with the Israelites because they're in trouble and they decide to go to the Egyptians to get help before coming to him. And there's this verse there. I, I don't know if I could find it offhand, but I know that it's in Isaiah 30. And God, he basically says, I'll have to look at it, look, look it up at maybe further in our conversation, but he's he's basically saying to the Israelites, like in quietness and confidence will be your strength. Mm, in in mm. quietness and assurance will will I save you, but you didn't want that. Like you didn't want quietness. You mm. didn't want silence. You didn't want to just silently come to me and let me work in your life. You wanted to all do it yourself. Do you know the verse I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can I, the number of the verse I'm not sure, but I know exactly what you're saying. Oh here it is. It's verse fifteen. I can't believe I found it. It's a miracle. I had bad eyes and I found it. <laughs> it says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, He has said, In repentance and rest you will be saved. In quietness and trust you'll find your strength. Mm -hmm. But you were not willing. Mm. See, the, the benefit of silence and solitude for me is that if you want to read Scripture, if you want to meditate, if you want to memorize, if you want to do some spiritual reading, how, how can you do that and focus when there's a there's that music, there's TV, there's, you know, the modern world says, oh, we multitask. Well, we multitask, yeah, I, I can watch the TV, I, I, can, I can peel potatoes, I can look out the window, I can chew gum, and walk at the same time. Now that's not that's not multitasking. <laughs> that is just doing multiplicity of things <laughs> at, the at the same time. M multitasking really assumes that we can do multiple things 
at one time in a focused manner, mm-hmm. that's, that's impossible. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, the idea of being able to still your mind, be, an, be, be present with God, and then read his word or meditate or, or memorise, mm-hmm. you can't do those when there's a myriad of things around you. And, and I, 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 that, that's how I practice. You know, when, when I was doing my training, they, uh, they said, we're going to do 24 hours of silence. This was part of the class. Oh, really? So one whole day wow. of, of a two-week intensive was, was silence. <laughs> Unreal. And, and uh, at first it was a bit awkward. You know, you're sitting at a meal table and... <laughs> Yes. The hand gestures and, and quietness. But uh, after a couple of hours, I was lying on my bed, I was just reading um, not a word to anyone. And um, at the end of the 24 hours, I felt so in touch with God and so rested, I didn't want to leave. You know, you know we, we often see movies of monks and you know, we sort of think, what, a, what an unusual way to live, you know. But in their giving themselves to God, that quietness is a time where they reflect and, and, and do their, their, their deep spiritual th- uh, thinking. And, um, you know, the, the way in which we transform is the work of the spirit. What we need to do is to put ourselves in a place where we can give the spirit opportunity to speak. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that is part of the role. As I said, when we start, we can't give what we haven't got. And that's why we need, need to, to, to put ourselves in a place where we can, we can hear the, the, the voice. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That that thought, you know, there's this Ellen White statement. I can't recall specifically where it's from, but it's not. I'm not doing one of those. You know, Ellen White says things. I'm a hundred percent sure this is there. Like, like no doubt about it. She talks about John the Baptist and his his lifestyle and how he spent a lot of time in the wilderness. The scripture's clear on that. Hmm. Uh, but she says that he wasn't, you know, living in the bush in a state of ascetic gloom. Is the term that she uses. He's not just out there just you know, trying to mortify the flesh, mm-hmm. you know. He, he's, he's out there filling up. Yeah. You know, he's out there communing with God and through the natural world and uh, through the handiwork of, of the Lord. And that was deep and spiritual and personal. And I think it, it, it communicated a real relationship that required real time. Mm-hmm. And he, he pulled himself away from everything so, because that was a priority and his mission was so important. And how's this guy going to prepare the way of the Lord if he's not profoundly connected with heaven? Because he's yeah. going to go up against, I mean, what does he go up against? Kings and the whole religious establishment. And he's, you know... He's a voice crying in the wilderness. Crying in the wilderness. He's mm. just this, he, he's prepared, I mean... If God comes to you and says, hey, you know, I want you to kind of do the work of preparing the way for my son to be received into the world, mm. that's a big deal. And yeah. so obviously he took it so seriously that he, 
he separated himself and he was always in quiet places and he was always meditating and praying and um, connecting with God on a deep, profound level. And then his ministry, it's interesting because like, I love reading about John. He's one of my favorite biblical figures. He receives a lot of success, right? Like in Matthew, it says like the whole regions around Jerusalem and the Jordans came out to see him. And in commenting on that in Desire of Ages, Ellen White says that he became more powerful or influential than every priest, prince, or, or everyone, rabbi, in Israel. So, uh, and, and she says if he would have stood up and said, I'm the Messiah, they would have all joined him. Mm. He was that influential. And we always have this, this view of John, like this wild, bearded man with slobber coming down his face who's yelling at everyone and kind of crazy. Mm. No, you, you don't get more influence in the nation than those sophisticated and highly educated priests, mm-hmm. arguably the most educated men on the planet at the time. You don't become more influential than them by being a lunatic. You can get a little bit of attention for a while, but to be that yeah, influential... To, to, you can fool some of the people some of the time. That's right. Can't fool all the people all the time. He had the power of God. Yeah. And where, did, where did he find such mm. strength and power? Yeah. It's like what you're saying. Yeah, there's another text which uh, comes to mind, you know, Romans 12, 2. Says, now be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The, the mind is the place that God communicates with. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not our emotions. They are a consequence of our, of our thinking and our, our mind work. Renew the, to renew the mind... Is not is not just a, uh, a filling it up with information, but it's a renewing of, of, of focus, of direction, and and, um, and and the tools that we've got at our, our, our fingertips to be able to to assist. You know the things we've already mentioned. You know, and also you know being together, worship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in our urban environment. So often it's so easy to to go off bush or go camping or but being together with the community of faith is so important. It is one of those things which which is 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 so uh, unvalued because it's always there. Oh, we'll, we'll go next week. You know, this week we'll you know we'll go next week. That kind of thing. Whereas, um, you know, I, I've lived in, in uh, where I've been the minority in, in, in churches of the South Pacific, mm-hmm. uh, in New Zealand, and, and I, I, I pastored a, a Polynesian church. And one of the, the real strong lessons I learned was that in, in, in being together, you're always stronger than being apart. Because they do everything together. The corporate group is so important to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas our Western world, we've in- individualised everything to such a degree mm-hmm. that we say, well, that's, that's my opinion. Whereas in a corporate group, we say, well, that's one opinion of many. But what is the best way of, of seeing something? And I, I really, I value the, the, the time I spend on a Sabbath or mm-hmm. on a Sunday, depending on what, what meeting we're going to. So. Mm-hmm. Um, to prepare yourself for soul winning is, is one of the things where, where we place our position where the Holy Spirit can do its work. Mm. Because we don't convert others. 
we, we give them the tools, we give them the, the pointers, we give them maybe focus, yep. but it is the Holy Spirit that does um, uh, mm -hmm. the heavy lifting. Amen. You know, there's this, that statement from, there's that statement from Romans 8 and verse 16, I think, where Paul says that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Mm -hmm. So the, there's that, if we believe Paul was a prophet and God was speaking through him, then we believe that the Holy Spirit is out in the world testifying to people on an internal level that they're children of God. Mm -hmm. They're not accidents. They're not, you know, highly developed, you know, biochemical machines yeah. <laughs> that were burped into existence by a mindless universe. They, they're the children of, of the king of the universe. And um, Jesus says the Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Well, therefore, then the world is experiencing, on some level, the convincing power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So um, if I approach someone in the name of Jesus, or just I inter interact with people, and I'm a Christ follower, <clears throat> I can serve as an external witness. Like, I'm just making your point, basically. Mm -hmm. I can serve as an external witness, I'm, I'm, but I'm not the internal witness, and I don't have supernatural power to mm. affect people's, like, mindsets and yeah, how yeah. their minds and hearts work and heal them, you know? Um, and if I'm... But, but, so to our discussion about preparing ourselves for soul winning and spiritual disciplines and... and finding quiet places to refill and to reconnect. If I'm not in touch with the Spirit, if I'm not in harmony with the Spirit, then I'm not going to really be an effective external witness because hmm. the Spirit and I are not going to really be partnering together. I'm just on my own. I'm on my own parade, you know, just singing my own songs, beating my own drums. Hmm. But if I am, like you're, like you're suggesting, we all should do, and I, I'm fully convicted, like I need to do this way more, um, why can't we get it through our thick skulls that it's not by might or power, but by His Spirit, right? Yeah. Uh, if we're connecting with God and if we're in harmony with the Spirit, then our external witness is going to match the internal witness and everything's not going to always go perfect. Mm. But at least we'll know that, uh, that God could have used us. It's the story of Elijah too, isn't it? God comes and not in the whirlwind or the fire, the still small voice. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's right, man. Um, so, what is, what is your thought? Just to we'll kind of start heading to to the to the landing zone here. What do you say to people? Because we talked about this a little bit before we we started recording. What do you say to people who immediately, as a knee jerk reaction, think, "Oh, spiritual formation or finding quiet places"? You know, you did say at the beginning of this that this isn't. We're not talking Eastern mysticism here. Mm -hmm. We're just talking. Bible, because the Bible says, Thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and perfect peace ha have those whose minds are stayed upon you, yeah. right? Yeah. So being in the right mindset, in the right place mm -hmm. mentally. What do you say to people who just immediately think, oh, Bob Bolst is a, a new age agent in the Adventist movement, and he's just here to make us start to chant and pray the chakras of the Eastern <laughs> swamis? I cook a good curry, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. You Look, I, I, knew I, it. I knew it. You cook Indian food. I, I, um, I, I, when I was doing my training, Ellen White 
became an unfriendly in um, she was an unfriendly territory. It was a time when she was questioned about all sorts of things, you know, plagiarism and and I, I, I put her on the shelf and didn't touch her for years. <clears throat> Read in Bible and did, did that sort of thing. But when I started my doctorate, I thought, I wonder, I wonder what could, we could do. You know, you think of a subject areas. And, and there's one, the one book, Steps to Christ, which, which I, I'd read and my dad gave me a little one which cost two shillings and I still, still got it. That's underlined, awesome. it's falling apart. And I thought, well, I wonder, wonder if she's got anything to say about the kind of life we ought to have, you know. So I read it, read it, read it, and, and I thought, well, oh, she makes statements which I haven't seen before. Uh-huh. I've read it many times, but haven't seen it. And so I, I started um, for a, a devotional exercise, paraphrasing it, uh-huh. for, just for myself. Yeah. And... And I'd finished one chapter and I gave it to a colleague who had a good way. He was an editor. He, he, he knew and understood how. He came back to me and said, mate, that's good stuff. You should do the whole book. Yeah, <laughs> nice. And so I sent it to my father. He said, mate, that's better than the original. He loved it. He loved it, yeah. And, and one of the, the, our problems is that Ellen White is written in English, so we can't touch it. You go to the mm. places where English is not the first language, they translate and retranslate. It, it's easy for them. Mm. Mm. So I finished the, the whole translation as a devotional exercise. It wasn't for any, any other purpose. Mm. And, and after having soaked myself in that for 18 months or so, mm. I thought, this girl's got something to say. And so I, I started uh, doing the air, working in the area of, of, uh, of spiritual growth and spiritual development, or in the area of spiritual formation. They're, they're all saying the same thing. We right. believe in spiritual growth. Now Paul talks about being transformed. Yes. And don't be conformed to the world. We use that word form so much. It's right. in so much reform, conform, transform. Totally. But form just by itself, we, we take it out of, out of, out of, so I think if people have a knee-jerk reaction against that, spend a little bit of time reading Steps to Christ, yeah. spend a little bit of time reading the gospel story, and the way in which Jesus did his work, yeah. and, and I think you'll find that not only did he treasure silence and solitude, but he knew scripture, he memorised you know, he, he, would, he would have trans, translated too if he had to. Uh-huh. He, he worshipped together, so in a corporate manner. Um, you know, a lot of these things which, which um, we have a knee-jerk reaction against, it's because of, a, of, a, of a, a phrase. If spiritual formation is not, you don't like that phrase, spiritual growth. Yeah, it's the same it. thing. Yeah. We all want to be to reflect the image of, of, of Christ. And didn't you say that Ellen White uses the term spiritual transformation? Yeah, and yeah. it just means what we mean, what some people mean today when they say spiritual formation. Mm. 
That's there, it. There, there is a, on page 48, I think it is, she makes the statement. Um, the, the, um, how does it go? Have you got a book here? Have a steps to Christ in the office? I'm uh, looking for a steps to Christ in my office. Yeah. Um, There's one in the conference office somewhere, but I don't know if I've got No, no, she, uh, the, the, uh, the, I'll, I'll find it. You keep talking. God bless you. <laughs> We're going to find it. Yeah. Well, if you guys didn't pick up on this, Bob, Bob's written a paraphrase of Steps to Christ, and it's really good. I've not read the whole paraphrase, but I've read certain sections, and it's, it's extraordinary, especially like for, say, uh, you know, Ellen White's language, I think, is really good in the book Steps to Christ, but the paraphrase is, I think, distills a lot of the essential points down well. Um, and you might want to have a look for that, especially if you've got a younger reader maybe who hasn't ever read Steps to Christ. Where would they get that? Uh, unfortunately, I'm the only one who's got it. I've, oh, yeah. I've well, published it privately. Privately, yeah. Well, people, if you guys are listening, anyone listening to this podcast, if you'd like to get a copy, um, it's literally, it's the steps to Christ. It's all the thoughts just packaged in uh, different words. Really good. Page 47. Okay, page 47. Steps to Christ. Um, it says, it is his purpose, capital H, to impart peace and rest to all who come to him for the as the bread of life. He requires us to perform only those duties that will lead our steps to heights of bliss that the disobedient can never attain. The true and joyous life of the soul is to have Christ formed within the hope of glory. She uses those words. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit, I was going to say intellectually juvenile. Yes to only see a phrase and attach all the negative to it. It's a bit like me saying, oh, he's a communist. As soon as we hear that word communist, we have a bag whole lot of baggage that we attach to it. You know, some people say, oh, he's a Jesuit. We have a whole lot of baggage we put with that one word. And I, I think if we come try and understand what Jesus has to say to us, I think we will see that transform, reform, conform, all those words that we have, the, the form part of it, basically it's saying we want to have spiritual shape mm -hmm. that reflects what Jesus is. We want to be living epistles. Yeah, amen. You know, last thing that I'm going to say, and then we'll just kind of wrap up, even though this is on the subject of interpreting other people, not just the subject of, of preparing yourself for witnessing. But when we listen to people, I think we need to listen to hear what they're saying mm. or what they're meaning by what they say. We shouldn't be listening to hear what we would be saying if we were using the same words, right? Mm. Different people use language differently. And I think a basic rule of communication is, is that I don't inject my understanding of words and phrases and terms upon other people speaking. Mm. So like, like the term spiritual formation, just since that's what we're talking about, spiritual formation. Okay, so if a bunch of people in Eastern faiths use that term, okay, cool, they use that term, they might have all kinds of beliefs and views and practices attached to that that I don't agree with. But then I can read Ellen White's statement, just an honest person sitting in my basement and going, oh yeah, I need to have Christ formed in me, therefore I need to be spiritually formed. And then I can hear the term spiritual formation and go, yeah, great, that's a great idea. Mm. So let's not just immediately judge people based on how we understand their words, 
let's be sure we understand how they understand their words yeah. before we judge yeah. what they mean and what they're saying. And I think whenever we're prejudiced or maybe we're intellectually lazy, we just want to like hear people and go, oh, I know who you are. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And uh, none of us like to see ourselves that way, but we all do it to an extent. And yeah. Especially at certain times of Earth's history, you know, <laughs> like when certain subjects are sensitive or whatever, yeah. or the herd is getting kind of wrestled up, you know. Yep. So if you've got like the Adventist herd, and we are a herd, and yep. not a bad herd, we're not a stinky herd completely, but um, <laughs> we're a herd, you know, we're a group, a collective, and when the herd is all stirred up and worried about a certain issue, and maybe rightly so, maybe there's some things to worry about, but um, just because you hear someone say a term that you shouldn't be triggered into thinking that person's a devil and a Jesuit and I knew they mm. were Eastern mystic and mm. all that stuff. But um, I'm going to let you have the last word, uh, Bob, but uh, my last just admonition for our friends and family who are in, the, in our church that are listening is, uh, is heed all that scripture. May God help us all to heed the counsel of scripture in that um, we need to, like Jesus, find quiet places in the solitude that we need to have God refresh our souls and to truly commune with the Lord. Mm. Um, Jesus was the Son of God, and He felt the need. Surely, me, the sinful, selfish Matt Parra in 2018, in 2020, sorry, not 18, need to, <laughs> need to find solitude. That's how busy I am. I think it's 2018. Um, so, yeah, uh, thank you, Bob, for coming and sharing and encouraging us again to remember we can't share what we don't have and Jesus doesn't say without me you can do nothing unless you had a connection with me yesterday then you can no he says without me you can do nothing that would mean like I can't live based on my past experience or some great um, like relationship I once had with Jesus I need to have an ongoing constant connection with him daily Anyway, so any parting thoughts or? Yeah, I I, uh, I have a, a quote from Ellen White. I can't find it just offhand. She says, "There is much reading of the Scripture that is without profit, and in some cases uh, harmful." And when I first read that, I, I thought, "What?" Because some people say any reading of Scripture is good. Mm-hmm. There is much reading of the Bible as without profit and in some places it's hurtful. We need to come to Scripture and see it as God talking to us, mm. not as a tool for me to catch you out. You know, so often we want to straighten people out. We want to find a text and we'll beat them with that text. But God's Word is, is for us. It's to read it with, a, with an inquiring and teachable spirit. And I think once we, we put ourselves in that position, the scriptural will sing to us. Mm. And that's melody is, is a great thing because what it does, it, it gets the highs and the lows. You know, when we're feeling down, we can see the, the mountaintop. When we're on the mountaintop, you know, we, we, we laugh when God laughs. He, he cries when we cry. And um, that God is the God I serve, a God of second chances, a, a God who wants to place himself into our life and make a, a, a truly straight place where there was only rough roads before. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, for the All Things Evangelism podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, 
Just as a reminder, you can pick us up on Apple Podcasts as well or download Spotify onto your device and, uh, and get updates uh, about uh, every week when we do this. Um, thank you, brother, for coming. This has been a huge blessing. God bless you guys, and we'll, we'll see you next week.